welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Jenny Ainsworth. So my phrase, and people hate it, I've got to be honest, is do something or do nothing, but be absolutely acutely aware that both of those are choices. If you choose to do nothing, that is absolutely your choice to do so. But please, I can't have another conversation with you about how how your life is and how things are feeling if nothing whatsoever has changed. I can't do anything with that. You know, we're better off trying to do something and just seeing how it felt. Hi there and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name's Bob Gentle and every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets of building, marketing and monetizing your expertise, intentionally growing a unique personal brand and mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device on your hand, hit the subscribe button and that way you won't miss a single episode. And if you are a regular listener, then consider sharing this show with just one person. It's the very best way you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. And if you're watching on YouTube, Hi, welcome. And while you're here, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and give the show a like. I'm on the road to a thousand subscribers. It's gonna be a long road, Jenny, but I'm in it for the long haul. So some people are naturally athletic. They make awesome athletes, but that doesn't mean all athletes are naturally athletic. The same goes for motivation. Some people are naturally motivated, the rest of us need to work at it. And as the saying goes, hard work beats talent where talent doesn't work. So this week, we are blessed to be joined by my personal motivation maven, my Dr. Strange of the positive mindset, the one and only Jenny Ainsworth. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. What an intro. I love it. I might have that on my gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can, maybe not your gravestone, maybe your LinkedIn bio. <laughs> So Jenny, we've known each other for a couple of years and I'm not kidding, but you have been for me a really powerful role model and a huge motivating factor in my own business. But for the listener or the viewer who is meeting you for the first time, can you just give us a potted introduction to the life and work of Jenny Ainsworth so far? Yeah, absolutely. So my last corporate position, I worked for Disney. I was a European training manager for Disney. And I was acutely aware of the people that we were buying in, entrepreneurs, if you will. And they were coming in and running courses and sessions and speaking at conferences. And it got to the stage where, quite frankly, and I wouldn't say I'm an arrogant person, but I looked at many of these people and thought, I could do that. And I could do that so much better than you. You know, you are speaking to a big global audience and you're not as connected you're not as relational as you potentially could be so I took the leap and I left and it's it's since then I've worked all over the world and primarily I deal with leadership and mindset and motivation so it's about helping leaders particularly in corporate get the best out of themselves get the best out of others particularly in this hybrid working way when you know you've got teams who are scattered about all over the globe you're not seeing each other every day so it's how do you really connect at a deep level with people so they feel seen, they feel valued, they feel that they can contribute at their best? And that's essentially what I help people with. So for me, the, in terms of motivation, we'll start with motivation. I think motivation and positive mindset, they are they're close, closely bound together. Yeah. But like I said in the intro, some people are naturally highly motivated and others are not necessarily lacking talent, but they are possibly not naturally motivated people. Mm. So. On the one hand, there's the question of leadership. How do you motivate people as a leader? 
But then the other side of it for me is if you don't have a boss, like people like you and I, yeah. we have to do it ourselves. There's nobody waking us up in the morning saying, go Bob, go Jenny. It's down to you and I. And I think it was Zig Ziglar said, motivation is a little bit like having a shower. It's something you should do every day. It isn't something that just happens to you. So I guess from a self-motivation perspective, if you want to get fit, you go to the gym. People kind of know how, how what you do in the gym. Yeah. From a personal mindset, from a, posit- from a, a motivation perspective, what's the equivalent to that? It's, it, the equivalent is noticing where your attention is. And so again, you know, going to the gym, you've got, I'm going to now speak as if I know what I'm talking about. Apparently you have things <laughs> like a leg day, Bob. So that's where the attention not is not going. Focus on a leg, you know, to, to get the, the strength of your legs. Other times it might be, you know, upper body, whatever. But where your attention goes, that's where energy flows. And that's where you're, you're focusing to make that better. I think with motivation, you have to notice where your attention is. Are you looking at everything that could go wrong? Are you looking at, at that? I, I don't think that's quite ready yet. I don't think they're going to like me. There's other people doing things uh, the same as me, but per- perhaps better. All of that attention, what you focus your attention on grows. And so you see more of it. And therefore, you know, if you are noticing everything that's wrong, everything that's not quite right, other people who are doing things similarly to you, but better, then that's not going to leave you in a great state. Now, I have to say, are there other people out there who are doing things well? Yes. (laughs) And could your thing be, you know, tweaked ever so slightly again? Yes, it could. But that's not the right question. The question is, what needs to happen for me to nudge myself forward, you know, just an inch today? What needs to happen? And it's very much around. So what am I going to focus on that's going to bring me that momentum and nudging forward rather than feeling stuck because you're looking at everything that's not working in your favor. I think that is an extremely powerful insight that energy flows where attention goes. One of the things that people talk about a lot at the moment is journaling. Mm. I think there is a danger when people enter into things like journaling that they just look at the problems through the day. Yes. Yes. I think this is one of the reasons why people quite often get told you need to focus on things like gratitude. What are three things you're grateful for today in order to try and bring in the positive? Yeah. But what's in my head here? I remember I used to really struggle with my personal visibility. I was so anxious about it, insecure, everything that you could imagine. I'm a very naturally shy person. Mm. And I was speaking to Ian Anderson Gray, who I think you probably know. Yeah. And he's, he gave me this practice, which I found very powerful, to keep a, a small journal, don't have to add to it very often, but whenever, ever any, whenever anybody says anything positive about you, capture it. Yeah. And it's extraordinary how quickly that builds up mm-hmm. and how quickly your self-image changes. And I think this is why this practice of noticing, it's difficult to overemphasize, overemphasize the power of this yeah. because as a species, there is no survival benefit to noticing the positive. No. There's none. As cavemen, it didn't help you at all to notice when you were doing things well. Mm. There was only a benefit if it didn't kill you. If it didn't kill you, well done. In terms of that and writing, and I think that's such a powerful practice is to, to write down, yes, the, the, the feedback. I, I've got things like a particular folder 
on my emails where I've had some positive feedback, you know, to, to put things in there. Because here's the thing. Very often when you are given a compliment, you are given a compliment by somebody who does not have that particular strength or talent in the same way that you have. And so they notice it in you. And because you have got that strength and talent, very often it comes quite easily to you. And if something comes easily to us, we dismiss it. We don't consider it weighty or valuable. What we we do is notice the stuff that we haven't got and we put weight there. We put weight on, I'm not good at X and it feels weighty. So when people say, oh, you know what, Bob, you're great at X. Do you know what, Jenny? I love the way that you do Y. Our initial instinct is to rebuff it and to push it back because it's not something perhaps that we've given much thought about because we're we're quite good at it. And I think we really need to change our mindset around recognising even if something doesn't come, even if something hasn't been strived for, if it's been relatively easily um, achieved, then that value and that achievement is no lesser than something that's that's come with blood, sweat and tears. We really need to recognise the things that we do well because we tend to diminish their worth. And that's something that's that's not good, not healthy for motivation. I think that's an important point. I mean, comparison is quite a natural thing for us to do as human beings. We'll compare, yeah. but we only compare with what we don't have. Yes. We'll, we'll never compare with the people that we're, where we have strengths that, they're perhaps lacking. Mm. That's actually a, a really powerful insight. So when it comes to going back to the gym, the leg day, we're maybe moving it on to an arm day. Are there any other practices as somebody that's sort of looking at this from a, it's your job to help motivate people and help people to motivate their own people. Yeah. What else is in the toolbox, so to speak? Yeah, I think for me, it, it's it's all around, you know, what needs to happen to nudge this forward and what can I do? Because there's, there's many things. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a positive person. I call myself an optimist. And an optimist is much more around it will be all right, you know, and everything. At this stage, right now, I might not know how, but I believe if I do the next right thing, ultimately all of those things will join up and and it will be all right so what is the next right thing and sometimes you know there's a whole thing about you know you you have to see the whole staircase no you don't you need to see the next step get onto that step I think right now what now so let me give you an example it might be something like the next right thing is to phone somebody is to phone a client, is to phone a contact. That might be the next right thing to do. And then that nudges it on a little bit rather than, but what if they don't answer? What if when they do answer, this happens? What It's like, okay, we will cross that bridge when we come to it. But actually, the right thing for me to do now is to make contact with you know two or three clients. And that is what I'm going to do today. So it is very much around, you know, we talk about goals and things like that, but bite size is the key. And there's um, a website called The Progress Principle. Teresa Amabile, she's a Harvard business uh, professor, and she gave out um, journals to, I think it was something like 12,000 different people. And she said, at the end of every day, I want you to write down, how do you feel about your working day today? And what do you attribute that to? 144,000 diary entries later, over 70% of people who said, I've had a good day, put it down to a sense of progress. So we talk very much around we need to celebrate success. But for me, if we're going to talk about that, that, that's the equivalent of 
you know, people who do a marathon ultimately say, you know, even if they've done, you know, one marathon or 10, they hit a wall. They get to a stage because it's a long drawn out. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. It's a long drawn out thing. There's so much that has to come into play and mindset being a big one. And at, at some point, whether it's mile 10, whether it's mile 20, they will hit that wall and think, I can't go on. I can't go on. And inevitably, it's the crowd that gets them through that says, look how far you've come. This is fantastic, which comes down to a little bit in, in our world, the reflecting back on the journal that, that you described, you know, looking back at, the, back at the feedback and saying, this is what how far I've come. This is this is what I do. If everybody waited, if all the crowd waited at mile 26, yes, you're pleased and delighted that you've crossed the what's the word? The line. You've crossed the line. Finish line, yeah. But ultimately, where you needed the insight, the support, the oomph might have been at mile 10, 12, 16. So I'm not one that says we need to celebrate success more. I think we need to celebrate progress more, and in particular, our own progress and looking, what am I doing today that I wasn't doing three months ago? What's happening today that wasn't happening in the first quarter of the year? Because it happens so quickly and, you know, we, we don't realise where the year goes. But sometimes when we reflect back, we think, I, I am actually further forward than I gave myself credit for. And it's the age-old thing, you know, again, to use the marathon perspective. We might think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only on mile 10. There's another 16 to go. And very often as entrepreneurs, we very much focus on there's still 16 miles to go rather than Good grief, I've done 10 miles and I've done 10 miles really well. So it, it really is about honouring ourselves and celebrating the progress that we've made, which I think has a huge impact on motivation. Want to hear a funny marathon story? Yes. I, I ran a marathon. Ooh. And for me, I didn't have a wall, but it was like I ran into a marshmallow. Ah. I got to something like mile 18. And then I don't know if you ever have these dreams, but you're running and you just can't move. Yeah. It was a little bit like that. And I think a lot of business owners probably feel a bit like that as well. Mm -hmm. that they've been working, 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 and nothing ever seems to move. And Jenny, I think this is going to be the first show of 2023. And I think it's the perfect place to start for everybody. How do you move into a new year? I mean, you've had a difficult couple of years, yeah. if I'm honest. And I don't know if you want to talk about that, but how do you move from the last couple of years that you've had into planning a year that's going to make you excited? Yeah, absolutely. So I love January. I really do. I love that whole sense of brand new calendar, brand new year. I love it. January and September are my favourite months of the year because September you have that sort of back to school feeling and the, the last sort of third of the year. And January you've got the whole year um, ahead of you. Yeah, I have had a challenging year. I've um, had breast cancer this year, so I've had a lot of treatment, a lot of time out of work. So it's not been the ideal year. But always when it comes to Christmas time and that period in between Christmas and New Year, when you don't know if it's Tuesday, Wednesday or, or whatever, I always like to think, how do I feel now? How do I feel in myself? How do I feel about my business? You know, on a scale of one to 10, how much in love am I, am I with my business? On a scale of one to 10, how pleased I, am I with the progress I've made in my business? And if it stayed at this same level, this time next year, Christmas next year, how would that make me feel? And so I get a sense of what's working, what isn't. You know, 
And then I like to think, okay, so what what am I taking with me into this new year? And that might be practices that you started, might be practices that are years old that have served you well. But it's what's the stuff that's working that, that I need to continue doing? And then it's what's the stuff that I need to leave behind? And it might have been stuff that served you well. And I think this is a big thing for entrepreneurs. We find something and we get into a groove of something that works, but then we're reluctant, we're fearful about stopping doing it, even though deep down we recognise it's not serving us in the same way as it perhaps might have done. And I think it's about being brave and, and, and saying, you did serve me well, that was a good thing to do, but it's not it's not helping me move forward now for the time and effort that, that I'm putting into it. It's not helpful. So thank you for the season that it worked or seasons. Now I'm leaving you behind. And then I think you, you, it's, it is doing, it's not a spring clean, but it's the start of the year clean in terms of what am I taking with me that works? What do I need to change? And I like to break the year up into sort of 90 days, you know, quarter. So what do I, where do I want to be by end of March? You know, where do I want to be then end of wherever? Oops. And, um, it's just, I think that's helpful. A month is too quick for me. It, it, it just flies by and, and I don't get things embedded. To do things over six months is just, it, it loses that sense. To go back to the marathon, you hit the a little bit of the wall or the marshmallow legs. So for me, 90 days, three months is, is a good sense of what do I want to achieve in that time and how am I going to do it? I, I agree with you. I think the 90 days, for me, that that is a golden window. It's short enough that you can have that sense of achievement when you get to the end of it, but it's also long enough that you can you can get a proper yes. run at things. Yes. And when you have four of those sprints a year, it can make a massive difference to the mm. year. I think I, I see a lot of people who move through the year as though it were a year and it's just too much to take on really. Yeah. A lot of people will plan a grand vision but if you don't hit it at the end of the year, you're going to be very, very disappointed. Yeah. Whereas if you've got four of those sprints a year, you've got far more opportunity to recover. The wins might be slightly smaller, but they compound quite yeah. differently. Yeah. I think that's that's a really powerful approach. So you and I are a similar age. Yeah. And I think when you get to the, what do you call this? Second half of life will be generous. Yeah. I think a lot of people, if they haven't achieved what they set out to achieve as a 20-something or a 30-something, they can often fall in the trap of thinking it's too late. Mm. This is something that I see more and more often that people think that they can't achieve massive changes later in life. Yeah. And we know that that's not true. I guess when you're working in the corporate space, the people who are in leadership roles, they've often proven themselves. Mm -hmm. But when you're working with solopreneur, small business owners, that's far less often the case. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to anybody who's, it doesn't actually matter what age they are they're at but they've maybe they've begun to resign themselves to well this is my this is what i got now this is all i'm going to ever have yeah. how do you move them out of something like that to, and reinvigorate that sense of adventure and the potential the, the the enthusiasm for their own potential they may have had earlier on in life yeah absolutely i think for me you know there's there's a, a big thing in terms of it, it can happen. There's no two ways about it. It can. And I think recognising that it, it happens. I think the first thing to do is, is you know, I, I get challenged by people who say, oh, don't worry about it, you know, because quite clearly people are. <laughs> so that's it, it's just not a helpful 
phrase. And I know people are trying to say it to be kind, but it's not helpful. So the first thing I, I think is important to do is acknowledge it, acknowledge that it feels tough. You know, rather than you shouldn't feel like this, you do. So that's that's the starting point. But, you know, when we were kids, somebody who was 50 or, or you know, 40, 50, 60, it literally was one foot in the grave. You know, it literally, they, they were old. We potentially, I'm 51 or 52 next. I could potentially live another 40 years. I literally am halfway through my life. And what I've sort of said to people is, you know, I recognise it can feel difficult starting again you know at this stage because you're having to take off everything that 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 brought you to now and to start from a brand new place and that that can be really challenging but the question is again a little bit back to my how I reflect at Christmas it's how does this make you feel now and it you know it's demoralized it's down okay so you are you could potentially live another 40 years are you saying that you are happy to be in this state for the next 40 years and they always say, of course not, but what I'm saying is, I said, no, 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 let's just, just, and of course not, full stop. So what needs to happen for me to feel a bit better? And there's a big thing I have to say about um, people in midlife. They have been the experts. They have been the people who've been leading the way. And a huge thing is very much around acknowledging there may be somebody who's 20, 30 years younger than you, who's got all the answers. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. You know, it really isn't. It's about how do I learn from everybody and everything that's out there, whether they're 25 or whether they're 75, whether, you know, it's it's what's the good stuff that I'm seeing working. They might not have the same worldview as you at age 25, but they may still have some techniques, some tips some strategies that you think that could work in my context so I think it's really looking and thinking what fits me what could work how can I make this uh, turn this around rather than oh that's a kid who's 25 he's still at home what doesn't have to worry about a mortgage and all of that yeah okay that that is very different um I've got a mortgage too so I've got to eat I've got to pay my bills so that in and of itself I use that as a, as a, as a motivation so what needs to happen this month to, to, to nudge it forward and I think there's something around allowing yourself to be influenced um, positively by different people than you might automatically be attracted to allow that because that's where the jewels are I think that that's a really really useful insight and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring an, another perspective to this because I think to not acknowledge this at the moment would not be doing justice to people who might be rightly potentially feeling a little bit negative about their businesses at the moment. Yeah, I was in a a call with five or six other people a few weeks ago, and there was a lot of negativity around the economy. There's a lot of negativity around the sort of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine and mm. and and the West and things like that. And then there's the weather at this time of the year. It's really hard if your business isn't buoyant within within all of that to be positive sometimes. Mm. When you're working at a corporate level and, you've, and you're working with an executive that's maybe just, just negative, how do you snap them out of that? Because I think that how you approach that probably is going to inform how people can perhaps, I'm going to say, slap themselves out of that funk as well. Yeah. There's a couple of things. First of all, it's there's a term in psychology called the locus of control, not locus to with a T, locus of control. And it's it's where you tend to, to 
to view. And people who have got an external locus of control get very dominated by external, by people, by things, by situations. And, you know, I have had conversations with people that have said, well, if Bob had done that and, you know, Jimmy hadn't have done that and Mary had done that, I would be okay. And you think, okay, that might be true. But, you know, you've got no control over, you know, Bob, Mary, Bill, whoever else it was. You've only got control over yourself. And if you could sit and get resentful about what is happening or what isn't happening, then nothing is going to happen. So my phrase, and people hate it, I've got to be honest, is do something or do nothing, but be absolutely acutely aware that both of those are choices. If you choose to do nothing, yes. that is absolutely your choice to do so. But please, I can't have another conversation with you about how, how your life is and how things are feeling if nothing whatsoever has changed. I can't do anything with that. You know, we're better off trying to do something and just seeing how it felt, seeing and, and, and uh, you know, looking at the results. If we've got any, if we don't have any, okay, why, why was that? But that gives us some data to work on. But if you're not prepared to do anything because you're frustrated about what's going on, then I can't help you either. And, you know, people don't like that. I don't like that. Sometimes I, I look at things and I think, I just... God, I put all this work and I just want it to be different, you know, and and I do. Uh, and there is a sense of, you know, allowing yourself to sort of lick your wounds a little bit and then think, OK, you know, what needs to happen? So people who have an internal locus of control look at, OK, so what can I do? And those four words um, um, uh, are very interesting. The negative person, the person who has an external locus of control, puts the emphasis on I, you know, what what can I do? And normally we talk about, well, that's all you've got is yourself, but the I is, it's 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 negative, it's little old me, how, how can I do anything? Whereas the person who's got an internal locus of control, which is much more around, well, what can I do? And the emphasis is on, is on the can, it's, it's, it's on the, the action. And so there's something around taking action, you know, however small, like I said earlier on, that phone call or sending that email, whatever it might be, what can I do that nudges us forward rather than seeing ourselves as, as small and ineffectual? And if you see yourself as small and ineffectual, there's very little that anybody externally can do to change your mind. Very little. So I think what I would like to talk about next is actually your work specifically in the corporate sector yeah what kind of companies hire you and why what what's often what's the trigger for when they bring someone like you in we we talk a lot about you know building your tribe and my tribe has been built by people in businesses hiring me and then going to another business um, and so I am very lucky in terms of the corporates that I work with. I work with a lot of financial institutions I work with a lot of banks I work with a lot of the big tech companies. And, you know, they're quite incestuous. Somebody will go from one back to another. And then, you know, once they've got themselves established there, they will then get in touch with me and say, I want to bring you in. You know, I'm thinking of doing X. And so, you know, people have bought me. There are a million of me's out there who are doing very similar things, you know, helping leaders. Um, I do a lot of work with, with women in leadership and women in business as well. There's an awful lot of people out there. But it's I've used this example before. There are, you know, probably 50 types of shampoo that's out there. There's probably, you know, 10 different types of baked beans. There's still baked beans. It's still shampoo, uh, you know, but people choose and buy what fits them and what they like. And so, you know, 
some people like me, some people don't. I suspect I'm very Marmite, actually. I actually, I, I either connect with people or I fundamentally do not. I don't think there's, there's much sort of in the middle of which is all right. But in many ways, that's good because I know the people who want me want me. And I very much trade on relationship. So much in business is very transactional. Where are you with this? How are you getting on with that? What's happening with the other? Which is fine and we need that. But for me, it's all about relationships and and how are people finding their work? What's going on that's getting in the way of either themselves or, or, you know, their teams? And I think if we can talk at it at a human level, that's where the magic happens. And so I think that's why people end up coming back to me and, and I end up following people all over the world to their different, you know, respective institutions. And when people hire you, what does an engagement actually look like? What, what the, from a, a practical sense? Yeah, there's, generally there's, there's an issue, there's a problem that they want fixing and they can't fix it. So it, it is either um, a very specific issue between two people or it's more around we need some sort of shift culturally towards X. We need to, to be much more transformational in, in our leadership. We need to, to be able to deal better from a hybrid perspective. How do we do that given all the different personalities? How do we you know, help people connect at a deeper, more human level so performance goes up, profitability goes up? So there tends to be a problem. And then I have to go in and find out whether it is that problem or whether it's something else. Often it is the problem. Um, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes I think it, the, the problem is actually a symptom of, of what's going on underneath. And then it's a case of I put together a package of how I could help. Um, so I can either do the, the helping people within the, the business and, and sort of, I guess, train people up to, to spot things like I do and to help people from a coaching perspective, a leadership perspective. It might be that I do big Zooms now, you know, sort of 300 people a time to kickstart and launch something. And then we do a sort of a program where people sort of come back to me once a month and they get a bit of coaching, a bit of input and content, etc. So it really it, it's, it's highly dependent on budget always. But outcome, what's the outcome that they're looking for and how quickly do they want that outcome dictates the, the, the package and the, the solution that I draw up for them. And I am very curious. Discoverability is a huge factor in in a personal brand business like yours. People can't hire you if they don't know you're there. What's what's your strategy for making sure that the right people know about you? Is it content? Is it relationships? Yeah, How do you approach that? It's definitely relationships. And what I found is when I do sort of little videos on um, LinkedIn or, you know, Instagram, things like that, and I mean little videos sort of a minute and a half, and I always put on 90-second video, which I think is helpful to people. Mm. And it's it's often just amusing. Uh, and I, that is as in two words, amusing. So some, some thoughts that, that have come to mind. And what people have found, I've had really good input on that. And I didn't used to do that. I always felt the need to to teach, to show a new model or a new something. But what I found is when I'm sharing my thoughts around what I'm seeing, what I'm observing, people very much are going, yes, that that is exactly it. That is exactly what's going on for us. So I've been very much, you know, you, you talk about the observational comics who reflect back your life, you think, oh, good grief, that is exactly what is going on in our household right now. 
I tend to see myself as an observational consultant where I reflect back what I'm noticing, the conversations that I'm having. And that has been, been the real deal breaker for me in terms of people saying, yeah, that's that's us. You know, can, well, can you come in and help us with that, please? And so that's that's been a real turning point for me. I think that's really interesting. And the reason I asked that question is you are well connected. I know who you know. Yeah. And it's it's some big names in what you might call the internet marketing world. Yeah. These are big content creators, big authors. And it would be very tempting for you to go and do what's working for other people. Yeah. But because of the outcome that you need being different from the outcome they need, you have a very specific Jenny Ainsworth strategy that yeah. works. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. It would be, be very easy for you to just go and copy what you see other people doing. It would, um, and it's definitely been a, a temptation. It's definitely been a temptation, but it, it, it came back to what can I say that's different? What's you know, what's my slant on this? And I've I've got things, but is it enough? You know, and, and I don't see that as a slur on me at all. I just recognise that that my strengths and my talents lie elsewhere. So that's where I think we'll channel them accordingly, channel where you're going to get the best return. And so who's to say what's going to turn up in the future? But at this stage, it's working for me. So you'd mentioned earlier on before I started recording that you have your own little programme. That sounds so patronising when I say little programme. I apologise. <laughs> but it's it's a non-corporate programme. It's for the solopreneurs well you tell me who who is this program for and, and it actually, what's it about no, it's, it's not for solopreneurs this particular program that i've got is actually for women um women in business i'm, I'm starting it corporately because i simply want to get the testimonials and i get it's far easier to launch a program internally and get 10 15 people on it than it is to launch an open program and to get 15 people so what I'm doing is, is running it in three or four different corporates, and it's called High Impact Success. And it's a bit of a hybrid model. It's, it's based over 90 days. And we were talking earlier on, weren't we, about the whole 90-day principle. And it's very much around, you know, the, the women, a lot of women, not all, still feel quite challenged corporately. It can still feel very male-dominated in, in many of the corporates. And it's how do I get my voice out there authentically without sort of turning into somebody else, even just as I've, you've just described there with me? How do I not go down the same avenue I see other people because it works for them? You know, you have to find what, what's right for you. And so it's a couple of days initially together face to face, which I'm really excited about because that's that's we've, we've come away so much from getting together in person for so long you know, with the pandemic, etc. And there's there's nothing better than actually looking at somebody, you know, between the whites of their eyes. I, I love it. So two days coming together and essentially starting the roadmap of what, what do I personally need? Because I want to make it as bespoke as we possibly can. There's content I'm bringing, but then you take that and apply that in your own personal context. So there's some content, uh, content on those first two days. And essentially, then it's a case of developing your own roadmap. And then we go away. And we have a mixture of hybrid getting together sort of action learning calls. What are we learning collectively? A bit of input, a bit of content on those calls, but uh, sharing and um, successes, sharing stuckness as well. And as I say, some of the content which uh, and models I want to share with them to help nudge people forward. They also have some um, coaching calls personally with me. 
And then at the end, we get back together for a final day in person again at the end of the 90 days, which is to reflect on where we've come. So I'm doing that for for three different corporates, hoping to get a, a fourth, but it doesn't matter if I don't, because that will give me the data that I need, the testimonials that I need. And then I'd really like to launch it for solopreneurs. I'd really like to do that because I think that will be helpful in terms of what I see out there is what's needed. But this is my sort of testing point, first of all, just to get it off the ground. So I'm, I'm curious, and that's why I have a podcast. A lot of people talk an awful lot about launching programs into the small business owner market yeah. the, the, because the non-corporate market, so to speak. Yeah. What's different between that and the way that you've gone with launching into corporate? What does that actually look like? Is it just a few phone calls saying, I've got this thing, would you be interested? Or is there anything more to that? Primarily, yes. If I'm being absolutely brutally honest, because of the relationship, because of my track record with them, because they know who I am and what I bring, it was a case of I pulled together um, a brochure, first of all, that, that explained it, you know, what it looked like, etc. And it really was just a, this is something I want to do. Ideally, I would like eight people, uh, a minimum of eight, um, maximum of 15. Is this something that you could see as a fit? I think there is a definite fit in your organisation based on my experience. Do you think you could get together, you know, a minimum of, of eight people to do this at some point, you know, um, in the first sort of six months of next year? You know, a couple came back and said, we can't fit it in yet, but yeah, we're, we're, we're interested. But then three of them came back and said, yeah, actually, yeah, that's something that, that, that will be good. And, and, and it's definitely been on our radar. So if you could take that off our plate and do that for us, then fantastic. So it was a fairly painless process, if I'm being honest, which people will either be inspired by that or infuriated. <laughs> <laughs> Probably different people will approach it in, in one of those two ways. Probably both. This is something I think a lot of people, they do get down this, I can't think what to call the non-corporate space, but the non-corporate space. Yeah. And think that's where they need to go because that's what everybody else seems to be doing. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing with the corporate is a lot of people, the selling there is quite quiet because there's no big flamboyant launches. That's right. It's much more about cultivating a network, being as valuable as possible to that network, building trust, and that will be reciprocated over time. Yeah. Time is an important factor there. You can't, you can't just rock up and say, I'm the next big thing, hire me. Yeah. But you can try. You probably you probably do all right. It probably feels like a less noisy place to sell. Yeah. One thing I've done to fairly good success for new clients or finding new clients is to send a letter, a physical, actual letter that is one A4 sheet long, I mean, we're talking now, how retro is that, getting actual mail, if we can get actual mail at the moment. But yeah, actual mail. It, it has been a little bit like that, which is, hi, you might not know who I am, but this is this is who, who I am. This is what I'm really interested in, in terms of your brand. I really like that you do X. I really like that you do Y. I've noticed that you do Z. This is what I do. The reason I'm sending a letter is because I want to be different. I want to stand out from, from the noise, from the emails, the 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 stuff on the internet, etc. You know, there's lots of things that I can point you to onto the internet. Here are some links. But I'd really welcome a call if you think, once you've had a look, that I've read your business correctly and you think that I could help, please do let me know. And I've definitely had, you know, three or four responses from that who have become clients. 
And they've said it really was one of those things that cut through the noise because it was just so ridiculously unusual. It's so funny to say that a piece of mail could be so unusual. But, you know, here we are in, in 2022, 2023. That's where it's at. And that's been really helpful. So that might be just a tip for somebody out there who thinks, do you know what? I'm going to give that a try myself. The key is don't just talk about yourself. It's what have I noticed about your business? You know, what am I seeing you doing? Um, because then you can show that you are genuinely interested in them. And it's not just this mail shop that you're sending out to, to numerous people. I think that's the key thing. I think what's really interesting there, and it reminds me of something that I used to do, is everybody has email inbox autonomy. Everybody's empowered to click their own delete button. Yeah. But when I used to sell websites, I had a big agency to feed. And if I really wanted a client, and this worked particularly well in the corporate space, I would have a designer design a mock-up of the most amazing looking homepage. And then we would print it big, like it would be about two foot high. We'd mount it on foam board and we'd have it couriered. And what I found was if I called them up, it's somebody's job to get rid of me. If I simply emailed, they can just click the delete key. But if you post them something, it's not in anybody's job description to throw this out. Somebody has to give permission for this to be disposed of. Yes. And what would invariably happen is it would lie around the office for weeks until the big boss walked past and said, what's that? That looks awesome. And I say, yeah, it's been lying around for a while. Some company sent it in. I said, well, it looks awesome. Get them in. Yeah. And I guess your strategy is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. That somebody's, If you position it in such a way that somebody has to say no, that's a conscious decision they have to make. And that decision has to exist at a certain level. Yes. And at least... With a letter, you're likely to reach that level, which as a, with, with an email, it's somebody's job to filter things out. Absolutely that. So that's, there's, a, there's some wisdom in the old school. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny, I'm looking at the time. We've been at this for a little while and I could honestly keep going for <laughs> the rest of the day. But if somebody's thinking, I want to go deeper with Jenny, I want to find out more about what's in her world, I've got corporate friends i run a corporation or i just want to pick jenny's brains how can they get closer to you how can they find out a little bit more about what you do and where you are yeah i mean definitely come on to the website it's simply jennyainsworth.com you can come and take a look there come along and find me on linkedin and now i'm thinking i have to even look at i don't i'm trying to think what my linkedin thing is i've got it written down here somewhere you're very easy to find on LinkedIn. I did it uh, earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, come and find me on LinkedIn. I'm just Jenny Ainsworth again on LinkedIn because then you can sort of do the messages, etc. Um, and listen, anybody who has listened to this, let me know where you've come from. You know, say that you you heard me with Bob because I always like to know that. And and you know. Get ready for a, a terrible cliche, but any friend of Bob is a friend of mine. But I mean that because we we do have, you know, similar sort of circles, similar values. So anything I can do to help or to connect with people, you know, please do hit me up. It will be lovely to hear from you. Well, Jenny, I am really grateful for your time. It has been just the best fun. But that does bring us to the end of another show. Thanks to you, home for listening. And if you have enjoyed the show, then I would gently encourage you to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. That's five, one, two, three, four, five, not four or two. Mm -hmm. If you did enjoy the show, then you will also love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's 100% free as a gift from me and it's 50 pages, 50 pages, Jenny, of everything you will ever need to start, scale or just fix your expert business. 
can click or tap the link in the show notes or just visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap. Thanks again for your time, Jenny. It has been great fun. I've learned a lot. I hope you at home have learned a lot. For now, thank you very much, Jenny. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And you at home, see you next week. Have a, well, no, Jenny, you have a great Christmas and New Year. You at home have probably, hopefully, had a nice Christmas and New Year. See you next time.